Our communion meditation is from Colossians, and it's been a while since we uh, last covered one of these. I think it was five weeks ago. And I really don't need an extensive introduction, though. I just want to emphasize one thing that we've covered so far, and that is that we were made in the image of God. That's verse 15, Colossians 1:15. He is the image of the invisible God, speaking of Jesus. And that obviously is a reflection back upon the very first chapter in the book of Genesis about us being made in the image of God. And so that is what we will uh, focus on as we enter into this next communion meditation. I'll start reading at verse 19. So we're in Colossians 1, and I'll read verses 19 through 23. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, these words are powerful and so beautiful. And we thank you for having moved Paul to write them so long ago. We ask you now, Father, please uh, awaken our minds to a deeper understanding of what you would have us to remember based on these words as we come to the table. In Christ's name, amen. Verse 19 starts out, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. For it pleased the Father that all the fullness should dwell in Christ. As I said, we were made in the image of God, but that image in man, in Adam, was quickly tainted. And so Jesus is a much clearer image of God the Father. He is clearer, obviously, in his divinity, and yet he is also clearer in his humanity because even with Adam's innocence, Christ is still such a better reflection of God the Father in his humanity for his stalwart obedience to the Word because Adam was so quickly... Uh, persuaded to partake of that fruit and that disobedience. So, see, we spoke of this last time, that Christ is the image of the invisible God. And this starts out with God taking pleasure in that. It reminds me of a phrase that you hear on this earth, a father beaming at his son and proclaiming to anybody who uh, is willing to listen, that's my boy. I believe that's exactly how God feels when he's proclaiming Christ. God the Father is very proud of what his son is doing. I want to read from Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17, starting at verse 1. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. 
And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Peter is often the one that takes the lead in awkward situations in the Bible. Uh, here, I would say he was obviously anxiety-ridden about what he'd just seen. Yes, he loves the Lord. Yes, he loves Jesus. But partly, I think it's just this fear, this, this, this bizarre thing that he's witnessed, and he's just babbling. He's just speaking out whatever is in his mind to speak. And yet God the Father shushed him. That's what this is. This is a very significant shushing. And so what did God the Father say from heaven? He said, this is my beloved son. It says that a bright light from heaven shone, a cloud, a bright cloud, and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him, hear him. So let's go back to Colossians. God is very proud of Christ, and he takes pleasure in what he is doing. And when Jesus walked back at the transfiguration, and they were all still on their faces, what did he say to them? He said, do not be afraid. So see, what Jesus was modeling and living out was what Paul is later proclaiming, the reconciliation of God to man. The men are lying there, separated from God, afraid, and what does Jesus say? Stand up, do not be afraid. So Christ's life at this point is modeling what Peter later says. He is reconciling these sinners to God in heaven. Arise, do not be afraid. And let me read verses 21 and 22 of our text again. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Now, in theological terms, what this portion of text declares is the penal, substitutionary, atoning death of Christ on our behalf on the behalf of those who have faith in him. Let me read you a very good, solid definition of what that penal substitutionary atonement is. Christ died on the cross as a substitute for sinners. God imputed the guilt of our sins to Christ, and he, in our place, bore the punishment that we deserve. This was a full payment for sins, which satisfied both the wrath and the righteousness of God so that he could forgive sinners without compromising his own holy standard. So far, so good. I think we're all very familiar with that, and I hope that we are all partakers of that. I want to read verse 23. 
if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So all that we've said, all that we've proclaimed in the substitutionary atoning death of Christ is predicated on the first word of verse 23. If. If, indeed, you continue in the faith. It's verses like this that many have put stock in as indicating that our faith can be lost, that there is a loss of salvation that's possible on this earth. If you continue, and those people read no further, if you continue. And so what they see then in those few words is that they must continue in order to have this assurance of the substitutionary atoning death that was just proclaimed. So then they see it as their responsibility to continue. What are they continuing in, though? This is where they get confused. I feel very sorry for people who theologically and practically believe in a loss of salvation. This is proclaimed extremely clearly in the movie Luther with Fienes, Joseph Fienes. I think that movie portrays it so well. His anxiety, Luther's anxiety in never being sure of his salvation, always feeling he has to do more, always aware of the fact that he can potentially do more. And then, and only then, will he have that assurance, that confidence of his faith. And so, see, he's going about it all wrong. And many people that don't really understand what this if is talking about go, through, go about it all wrong. If indeed you continue in what? Does it say, if indeed you continue in faith? Look at your Bibles. Does it say that? If indeed you continue in faith, does it say that? No. If indeed you continue in the faith, the faith. So see, people don't see that little word, the. The reference is to the faith. Are we going about it properly? Are we doing what God says? If we are, then we have full confidence that we are saved. It's God's work, not man's. It is the faith, not my faith. So see, liberals have abandoned the faith, and yet they still cling to a salvation that is not theirs. They will be cast out by Christ. They believe they can substitute their faith for the faith. There is only one faith. That's faith in Christ. There's only one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our confidence is in his atoning sacrifice. And so anybody that belittles Christ in any way on this earth, there's no way. There's no way they're saved. You know that. There is no way around Christ to get to heaven. Christ is the way to heaven. We are so tempted to water that down in, a, in the midst of a people, in the midst of a, of a pluralistic society that is offended by it. And yet we must not be offended by it. We must not be perturbed by it. 
Christ, Jesus Christ is the path to God, is the path to righteousness and reconciliation, and it comes in no other way. God the Father loves His only begotten Son without qualification, and Jesus was that penal substitutionary atonement for us. We are Christ's adopted brethren, and we benefit fully in what He earned for us. God the Father loves us just as He loves Christ. And so when we see, that's my boy, that's how God the Father views us too. That's my girl. That's my boy. We are not in a home in which we are adopted and we are treated like a second-class sibling. No, God is not like that. I've seen homes where adopted children are treated differently than the, than the uh, biological children, and it's not right. The faith refers specifically to Christ's sacrifice. And so when liberals preach salvation apart from the substitutionary atoning death of Christ, they preach falsehood. They abandon the faith, and they are without God and without salvation. So when we come to the table, we are proclaiming Christ and Christ alone and His righteousness on our behalf to reconcile us to God the Father and to give us this beautiful picture of us reconciled to God in heaven for an eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. This is your promise to us. This is your assurance to us. Uh, you are a God who does not lie. You are a God who values truth so much more than we ever can. And yet we thank you, Lord, that you are a man, you are a God of your word, and we will be faithful to it. We thank you, Father, for your presence with us now and always. In Christ's name, amen.